But you got some cool gifts. Yeah, I know you got a Wolverine or Wolf. Is that a Wolf? Is that a Wolf? Yeah, I got that right. So what I'm excited about today is just the short time that we have is that we get to look at something pretty cool. Matthew chapter 2. Because to me, of all the times that you can worship, why would you not worship on Christmas Day? I'm, I'm, I'm not, I think it's wonderful that, um, that, that people get to do the things they do, but what a great time for us to be together as a family. And everybody in here, most of us know each other. It's just a great time and a sweet spirit. Matthew chapter 2. And this will be really neat. So uh, your phone, if you want to use your phone, it'll be up there. Robbie will have it up there. But Matthew chapter 2. This is technically, uh, so when you pull into campus, you see uh, the fake baby Jesus, and you see the fake Joseph, and you see the fake Mary, and um, then you see the wise men. Now, technically, the wise men probably were not there, like when actually when Jesus was born, it was probably just a little bit after the fact. And so I said that a couple years ago, and I refused to mention anybody's name, Brandon McCoy, but he took... The wise said they theoretically weren't there like at the very moment Jesus was born, because you can read it in here. And he took the wise men from up front and put them all around campus. So needless to say, I'm not going to say that ever again. And so now they have him chained down because of <laughs> Brandon McCoy, because he's, well, he's a part of Summit. What can I say? We're just we're out of control. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that's why... The, the wise men, the magi, were not there at the actual moment he was born, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the king, time of the king Herod, magi, or, or wise men, or astrologers, um, from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When king Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. King Herod was Jewish by descent, but he acted like a Greek. He was selling out to Rome and to Greek in their ways. And so there were conservative Jews that were upset with him. And then the other Jews applauded him. But he really did not buy into true Judaism. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, verse 4, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Obviously, he didn't know the scriptures. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now, Bethlehem's five miles south of Jerusalem. So just think about it going from here to Ashley Frustrate or whatever that, word, that place is. I'm sorry. Uh, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Now you know that's a lie because he's going to end up trying to kill every child to and under just kind of like it was with Pharaoh in Egypt. It's interesting. Coded Exodus. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, 
they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Notice they said house, not the stable, not the manger, right? To the, to the house. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much that uh, we don't have to come today with, to match the gift of Jesus. Because we can't. And so what we do instead of just trying to match his gift, what we do is receive his gift. And so today, Lord, we just come before you. We just want to take this time with all these kids in here. And I love it because their parents sowing into their children. This is what it's like to follow Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be magnified today, glorified today, and that I wouldn't come with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the spirit of power. I pray, Lord, Luke eleven thirteen, where you said about people who don't know you, said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you? So, Heavenly Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit, who is your gift to us after Jesus so that we might know you and live in your presence completely until the day that we fully are in your presence in the Trinity. We love you. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I ask that you forgive us so we can hear you and that you would be glorified in all that we do and say. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. So the question is today, it's on, it's on Facebook, by the way. Why did the wisest man in the whole Christmas narrative bring gifts to Jesus? So they're the wisest men in the whole Christmas narrative. Wiser than Herod? Wiser than the shepherds? Wiser than anybody else? Why did they bring gifts? Hey, everybody loves gifts. If you don't love gifts, then something's wrong, right? You need to get checked. Everybody loves gifts. Now, and I understand, you like gifts that you like. Let me clarify that, right? Because sometimes you get gifts and you go, why did I get that gift? Did someone say corduroys? Is that what they said? Wow. There's not a lot of love in this place. But I mean, I, for example, I, I got about, I think I got four gifts today. Four, five, four. And, and it was, the highlight literally was my corduroys. Well, top two. Highlight. I, I love these things. Like, you don't understand. They, they, they let people know when you're coming. Okay, yeah, you got it. All right. So why did they give it? Why did they give these gifts? Why did the wisest men give the, It's interesting that the wisest people in all the world that had all this stuff, because you remember, astrologers today, uh, uh, back then are not looked like today. These wise men back then were eulogized. They, were, they had a place like with the king. The king would say, should I go to war? Should I do this? What should I do? Like they had a thought. Today, you, you see uh, anybody who like loves Christ, they go, oh, weirdo, loser, stand in the back of the line. It's, it's not like that today. But then it was a matter of something because something was in their heart. They knew that they didn't know everything and that there was still something supernatural. You know why we love Christmas? It's because there's still something supernatural. Right? We, we, we like to think that somebody who doesn't know us is going to give us something that we really want. Right? I mean, think about it. That's what Christmas is about. It's about this idea of somebody giving something that we really want without us telling them. 
That's what the surprise is. And then when it matches what's in our heart, whoo, we can't sit still. Right? You know what I mean? Ladies in the room that, that have gotten engaged, you with me? Right? You get that ring, you know it matches what's in your heart. Like you want it to come, you dreamed about it coming, but when it comes, boom, shakalaka. Right? That's Summit Church for praise the Lord. All right, so. But what's interesting is these men that had the that had everything taught us how to give something through Christ. I want you to know this is the only way to truly give. The only way to truly give. Look at that. Look what these men did. This is, I just want to spend some time in this. This is so good. And listen, the, when we receive Jesus Christ, so here's what you're teaching your children. Here's what you're teaching people around you. This is why you're here today, because something in your spirit would not be right unless you came to worship. Like it didn't match, and, and all the beauty and all the excitement, and praise God for all the food. <laughs> Even before you got into a food coma, you know that you had to worship. Why? Because there was something in your heart about giving more than receiving. Something is beautiful. Uh, I, I use a little Piper term. The giver gets the glory. Huh? Come on. That's really good. Listen, when you give something, and the reason why it's more blessed to give than receive is because the giver gets the glory. Like, I get so excited more about giving than getting because there's something deep that's satisfying. Okay. When I get something, then sometimes I feel obligated to give something. You ever felt that way? You almost feel indebted. Neighbor gives you a gift, though you don't really like them. You're going to say, you didn't see that box of candy that we don't like? Take that thing over there. Tell them we love them, which is, a, you know, yeah, I'll pray for them in another, no, no. Yeah, but you see my point? The giver gets the glory, but when you give something because you want to give and you don't expect anything in return, is that not the most precious thing in the world? You know what it is. Come on, somebody. Some of you in this room, y'all have had these special friends. And special, you give something to somebody, whether it's to a parent or a sibling or whether it's to a spouse or child, when you give something to somebody, or you give to somebody who is in need, y'all be so proud. I was so proud of y'all and the gifts that we took to that one class and that little homeless girl. And she'll never, ever, ever, ever know this side of glory that somebody reached out to her. When that little girl, and what's interesting, whoo, will cry. What's interesting is when that little girl told the teacher, when the teacher asked, what is Christmas? And when that little homeless girl who wore the same coat every day that if you see in the picture, she is hiding behind. I've got the picture and I'll show it to you. And she's hiding behind the other kids because she knows that she in her heart at eight years old, she's already thinks I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm helpless. I'm at eight years old. Nobody cares. But when she said in that class, I know what it's about. It's about Jesus. Then that spoke to the teacher that spoke to the Holy Spirit and other believers. And God rose up in us to give something to somebody who didn't have it. Come on. I know what I'm talking about. That. Nobody else is going to give. They're going to give out of the surplus. But Christians give out of the very last thing they got, which is their life. And that's why we lay down our lives, even to the sword. Look at this passage. The gospel calls us to give with humility. Look at this, verse 9. 
This is so, this is so powerful to me in verse 9. After they had heard the king, when they went on their way, and the, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now check this out, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they what, saints? You tell me, what'd they do? Yeah, they bow, listen, they bowed down. It literally means this, look at this. It literally means, in, in, in Greek, to kiss the ground. So you ever see Muslims that come into the mosque? What do they do? They bow down and what? Kiss the ground. They kiss the ground because the ground is holy. What's interesting, oh, come on, somebody, is that they kiss the ground because it inhabited the presence of the king. There's something worthy where Jesus is. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. That's why that little girl, when God laid on your heart to give to her, when, and listen, somebody gave, somebody gave a, a money. This person doesn't have much. I'm not going to mention name, but some of you in this room, because Channel, a lot of you know this person. You know this person. Well, Brad gave money for this girl. Listen, the reason why that people bow down and worship, Christians bow down and worship, because they, when they know where the presence of Jesus is, there is honor. And in that classroom, among her peers, she might be dishonored, but with Jesus, she is honored. And I guarantee you, knowing that class and some of the dynamics of the children in that class and their homes, where they come from, I would dare say that girl probably got as much, if not more, than most of the people in her class. And it came. Because she honored Jesus. And she wasn't looking for presents. Don't, don't read into the, well, she got, if I go to Jesus, then I get something. No, no. She had no idea what she was going to get because Jesus was enough. Whether you have or you have not, he still is. Bow down and worship. Listen, your only way to give a gift, before they gave the gift, it came with humility. That's why the giver gets the glory. He gives with humility. What did Jesus do in Philippians chapter 2? He stepped out. What did he say? He humbled himself and became obedient to the death on a cross. But God exalted him. And God exalted him to the point that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Before Jesus gave us the gift, he became humble. He was the word before he was Jesus. Remember, Jesus isn't asking us to do something he hadn't already done. If you want to give a gift, there's nothing worse than somebody giving us a gift out of their arrogance. Well, I got a million dollars. What's... What's a thousand? Right? Here you go. Oh, I'm giving you out of my leftover. I, I don't, don't give somebody a gift out of your leftover. Give them what you desire. Give your humility. If, if you're not giving out of humility, then all of a sudden, the gift is tarnished. Listen to this. Um, giving can only come when we're not afraid to give. 
these wise men, they're not the point of the story, but they did something interesting in the story. When they encountered Jesus, even the presence, even the ground that he walked on was holy. Even though he's the infant, they were in the presence of a king. The wisest of all wise bowed before the child of low, because a little child will leave. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I love this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now listen, I want to tell you something. To every believer in the room, you and I have a race to run. And it is God's gift. There's many gifts God gives us. He gives us salvation, right? Because he died on the cross. He humbled himself and became a man, a nothing. He became nothing so that we might become something. So he humbles himself and he gets and he lowers himself. But here's what happens. Then he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is so powerful because the Holy Spirit is God's presence. It is Emmanuel, God with us until we're in the full blessing of the Trinity. Till we die or Jesus comes back, we're not in his full presence, but we have the power of his presence, the Holy Spirit. Now here's what's interesting. Everybody in this room is a Christian. You have a race marked out for you. You have a lane. And I've been trying to teach my family this. I've been trying to preach this to myself. When I am humbling myself in front of God and I'm feeling the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit talk, then I embrace my calling with some fear, yes, but I have a greater fear knowing that if I go with God, God will destroy whatever fear is in front of me. So there's a lane out there, but I'm going to tell you, there's a road mark. But you and I, hear me today, to these children who are walking and having fun, I want you to know something, they have an anointing, they're angel. These children's angel is in front of God. We do something to them. Her angel is in front of the Lord. And we do something to them, you don't think God sees? They have a lane. But we will never fulfill this lane if we're not humble. We can ne never lay down. Listen, what's the greatest gift we can give God? It is not our tithe. It's our lives. And the only way for us, listen, the only way to run this lane is to be humble. If you're not humble, I promise you, you will despise, you will despise what God has called you to do. Let me break it down. I will despise preaching if I try to do this in my flesh. I will hate, and, my, and Janie can tell you, and my family can tell you, there are days I want to say, I quit, because you want to know why? Because I'm tired of giving. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody. You ever get tired of giving? You feel like you're the one always trying to give to people. Y'all know y'all holding up, y'all hold up your own family sometimes. Y'all keep everything together. And when you don't, and sometimes we just get, our flesh gets up, we say, I'm just worn out. I'm just tired. I'm just tired, but listen, the only way for us to run this lane is to stay humble in front of the Lord. And the more that we encounter Jesus, we realize he is beautiful and he is greater and he is worth it. And let me throw my life into it. Humility. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. If you want your lane to be perfected, if you want it to be finished one day, only through Jesus. For the joy set before him endured the cross, and this is my favorite part. I, know, I thought you'd say, John, what about the cross? Scorning its shame. Here's why. Here's why. We will never run our race. You will never go and become what God wants you to do because you're always going to say, and I'm always going to say, I can't, 
I'm not worthy. I don't know enough Bible. I don't know enough this. I hear it all the time. I can't leave all the time. I can't. I don't know enough. I don't listen. That's shame language. That's shame language. Jesus destroyed shame language. We have a foreshadowing of that when Adam and Eve sowed fig leaves on themselves to cover their shame. And God says, I'm not going to cover your shame. I'm going to fix your shame. There's going to be a Messiah coming in Genesis 3.15, the first evangelistic passage we have. We can't fix our shame, and shame will keep us from running. It's only through humility can we give Jesus the greatest gift, which is us. That's why we're going to take the Lord's Supper. It's in humility we take this, because when you drink that cup of juice that, that represents the blood, it's the picture. And listen, if you know anything about Judaism, you know that everything, they're such visual people, and, and, and they, they speak things visually. That represents Blood, it represents life. You drink the cup, you're saying, Jesus, your life is my life. If this is what you have, the question is, not is what, God, what is your will for my life? That's the wrong. You've got to take out my life and just knock it off the sentence. God, what is your will? And then I step into it. Make sense? You will hate the more you walk up away from the Lord, the more your quiet times diminish, the more your prayer diminishes. Listen, I want to tell you, you will despise. You will despise where you are. Come on, I know I'm talking to you. You'll hate yourself. You'll hate it. And, and listen, it's nothing. And, and honestly, you know what it is? It's just pride. It's just pride. The more I think about me, the more I don't like where God sends me. Because where God sends me is going to require that I humble and that I take on shame so the people that don't know Jesus won't fear him to cover their shame. We got to become shame. We got to get in there with the people and become that way. All right, so he, he can't stand shame, but he fixed it. And then, of course, it says, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In our lane, there will be weariness and our heart will be tested. This is what it is. This is Christmas. Christmas is us saying today, God, if I had to do it, when you do this, Lord Shepherd, if I had to do it all over again, I say yes. You know what I love about Miss Penny? Anybody steps in that prayer room, you either getting saved or you getting healed. But one way, something going to happen. There's a reason why she can pray paint off a wall. Y'all work with me. That was good. <laughs> the only way to give is we've got to come humility. The only way to come to Christ is this. God, I don't have anything to give you. But what I do have is the breath that you've given me I receive from you. And everything he gives, we receive. That's called being a good giver. So if he gives you this lane to run in, you run it. I, listen, I'm with you. I would change my lane if I was God. I don't like my lane. In my flesh, I don't like being humble so that somebody else can be better. Because in my heart, I think I'm better than them. But when I get around Christ, what I realize is that I would rather serve. I would rather be humbled so that this person who absolutely rails against me or rails against God can be lifted up so one day they can see Christ. Because sometimes people that are bad, when I say bad because we're all bad, but with people that are just running from God have to be lifted up a little bit so they can get just a little closer view of Jesus. Sometimes we get in those lanes and we don't like it. But here's what happens. The closer I'm with Jesus, it's an honor sometimes 
to watch people speak. Will you say yes all over again? Second thing, I'm going to go fast. The gospel brings us uh, to give, uh, uh, give in response to worship. Look there back in verse 11. I'm coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down. After they humbled themselves, what's the next thing they did? Worship. Humility comes first, then worship. So what I do, I say, God, I'm going to trade where I am. Though this, I like my little Toyota, my little Toyota life. I like it because it's all reliable. I know what's coming. Am I talking to anybody today? Because some of us are creatures of comfort. We like to know what's coming. But then God says, no, I'm going to step you into something bigger and better. You're going to step over in this Mercedes. And it might go a little faster. But the only way you're ever going to know faster is sometimes you've got to get on a new track. When we step into the presence of God, then we can worship. Only through humility. Worship. That means to fall down the prostrate, to get to one's knees. It's interesting. This is where worship happens. It means to kiss the ground. In other words, God, wherever you got me, my life is an act of worship. So I kiss the ground of the lane that you've given me because your presence is there. You, you know why you took the job you took? Because the Holy Spirit worked in you and said, who lives in you and says, go there. And the Holy Spirit is already working there and then all of a sudden we said but i'm afraid to go there because to go there is costly and the only way i'm going to say yes to go there to count the cost is to bow and worship to the one who already paid it so then as i worship god god says go over here to summit go over here to csu uh i like philly are you going all right so i i go boom i'm over here then i'm like now what god this place is jacked up this place is crazy. Everywhere I turn, the people say they love Jesus look like Satan. Everywhere the people that are supposed to be following God follow themselves. And I don't like it. I'm going back. Or let me just step in my own lane, brother, because I love you, God, but you know, that's why I like being co-pilot. Sometimes I can grab the wheel, and God says, well, no, that's against Scripture. I'm the pilot. You're not. So I stay there and I say, okay, God, now what? Then God says, John, look around for men and women of peace. Luke 10, he sent them out two by two. He sent them out two by two, right? We just talked about this last night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on us. And then he looks around and he says, okay, go to the people that have peace. That is people that walk with me. So in the midst of this chaos, God will send us as we look spiritually, as we do spiritual things, as we worship him, we find other people that are either worshiping him, saved, or that are interested in worshiping him that are going to be saved. And there's our lane. And there's our path. And there's the gift that God has given us we'll receive. It's the way it works in God's kingdom, economy, whatever word you want to use. But here's what was interesting. In Matthew, written to, written to Jews, the key worshipers were not Jews. They were Gentiles. In fact, they were astrologers. They were outsiders. This is what blows me away. People say, I can't. This was John Davis. I'll start, I need to start using first person. All right, here we go. John, I can't pastor. I can't preach. They're a bunch of weirdos. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. God, you know me. I'm just, I'm going to go all in. Like, listen, y'all understand something? If you had a party before Christ and I came to your party, I'm going to party. <laughs> <laughs> B 
beer to liquor, never sicker. Liquor to beer, never fear. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Are y'all judging me? I feel like it's so trashy. What I mean by that is you're all in. And with Christ, I said, God, if I'm going to preach, I'm going to be all in. And that's going to run people off. Because this is how, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is how some people preach. Let's have a conversation. I feel like Robert needs to get up here on this, whatever this is. And I just need to lie down on it. And let's talk about Jesus. Let's curl up in his beard and rub it. Sometimes Jesus doesn't want to just sit in his lap and rub his beard. Sometimes he wants us to grab the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and go stand in the gates of hell because hell will not prevail against his people. Called the church. Sometimes God sends us down that path. But listen, so the first way to give is humility. The second way to give is it's got to be in worship. And who did he give? He took Gentiles. He took outsiders. I want you to know if you're thinking today you can't bring anything to the Lord, that is so far from the scripture of God. Just read Matthew chapter 2. It was astrologers, astrologers that God brought to his presence to worship, to teach, that I will use even the leaders of the most evil economies and kingdoms, and they will come and bow before me. Because you want to know why? Who we follow is not just a king. He is the king of kings. Every kingdom will bow before his king. Our king is that big. That they represented powerful kingdoms. But their powerful kingdoms will bow before our king. It is through worship. You see, he is for the unclean. He is for the Gentiles. He is for the outsiders. He is for people that don't know him. Isaiah 60, verse 3. To show you this is prophecy. I just want to turn there. I'm sorry, Robbie. Uh, Isaiah 60, verse 3 says this. This is how you know that he's the Messiah. Nations will come. I love this. I'm sorry, Robbie. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The reason why everybody will know that the Messiah is here is because kings that are foreign from Judaism will come and bow before the true king. That's the king we serve. That's the worship you're giving this morning. Well, let me get to the last thing. Oh, I have, well, let me just, gosh, this is so good. Um, to show you this, to show you that God takes little and makes something big. Look at Matthew chapter 2. Go to verse 6, Rob, if you don't mind. So this is a quotation of Micah 5, 2, which is a prophetic passage. And so I want, I want us to get this. When you take the Lord's Supper today, you're saying, God, my life has value regardless of what I think about me. So here's what I want you to get past. We walk by and not by. So I've got to stop looking at myself and saying, John, you're not. You, just, you don't look good enough to do that part. You're not strong enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not fast enough. You're not rich enough. You don't dress well enough. Even though I think God loves corduroy. <laughs> Y'all with me? Micah. 5, 2, and this is in Matthew 2, verse 6. But you Bethlehem, five miles south. Bethlehem is nothing. It's a shepherd town. Isn't it interesting that... God sent shepherds to worship the king, and King David was a shepherd. But, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, look what it says. Are 
by no what? Or by no means what, saints? Least. Do you see the life that when Jesus stepped into a town that was nothing uh, 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 in the Old Testament, it, it might read this way. It might read, um, though you are small, like the world doesn't notice you. The world overlooks you. You might think you're small and you're not big enough and good enough. But here's what happens when Jesus presence comes into us. Though we think we are least, though we think we are least, God will use us to become a leader of men. And you will lead people. Though you don't feel like you're a leader. And listen, sometimes the greatest leaders don't have to say two words. I have yet to meet a loudmouth great player. There's some that try to talk a lot, but there's, some always, there's someone always better than them. I mean, when somebody is good, when they show up, they know they're good. That's why I love those commercials where you see those NBA basketball players and they dress up like old men and they go, y'all know what I'm talking about, the basketball court, and they just dominate. I, I love those videos because, why? Because it screams scripture. We walk by faith and not by sight. These, these ballers, these street ballers see these old men and, and they, they're on purpose, they'll miss a couple shots, right? They're setting them up. You can call it what you want, poke or do whatever you want. But the whole point of them is, is that what's on the inside is greater than what's on the outside. And so for me, you and I might think we're least, but when Jesus steps in, I want you to know you are not least here at CSU. You are not least here in Charleston. Though you might feel least at your job and low and overlooked, I want you to know that if Jesus looks to you, it doesn't matter what the world looks at because he has counted you valued more than anybody else. Just like that little eight-year-old homeless girl, God valued her. Because she knows him. And the last thing is this. Humility is the right way to give. Worship, while you're here, I want to applaud you. The Holy Spirit in you is the right way to give. And the last thing is this. Look that with me in, in Matthew 2. Here it is. Matthew 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down. That's humility. And they did what? What's the second thing? They worship. All right, you're teaching your children today to worship. I don't care if they're on a game. I don't care if they're playing with a toy. I don't care if they're walking around. Listen, the present, the spirit of God is bigger than the position of man. When they worship, they open their what? I didn't hear you. They open their what? What is our treasure? Right here. What's in your heart? Will you open your treasure to the Lord? What makes you beautiful to me in my life? Because we're all family. Listen, I, listen, I, I, I love being with the people of God on the day. Everybody says, well, you know, it happens what, once every six years. We're supposed to be once every seven years, but we have a leap year, right? So sometimes it's good. Uh, sometimes it's extra. Sometimes, you know, whatever. But here's what happens is that we see... We see that when we come together, there's something beautiful. Today, I want to ask you, will you open the treasure of your heart to Jesus? You say, but John, I've already did. I'm a believer. No, no, no. I'm talking about literally open your treasure and say, God, if this is where you have me, then you can have me. 
If this is where you want me to go, then I'm going to go, but you can have me. Because here's what I know. Jesus said, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. This is your treasure. This is our treasure. And where your heart is, there you will go. I don't care what anybody says. Get in a job long enough that you hate, what you going to do? You're going to leave. Because if your heart's not in it, the gold, this right here, these gold handcuffs, will wear you slap out. Then you'll come home and you'll be more miserable. My mom taught my wife something right before we got married. She, you know, my mom, that's old country speak, you know, she's, she's 87 now. I just, and now I told your age, she's going to kill me. You know how that works. When you get the older ladies, you start telling ages, you're going to die. <laughs> but she's, I mean, she, like, when, I, I, I don't FaceTime her much, but when we FaceTime, she's, because she's going blind so bad, she can't <laughs> see anything. When, if this is the phone, She's like this in the phone. You know, all I see is an eye. <laughs> you know, she's like trying to put everything on me. Like, Mom, your eye, you know. The eye is watching. And, and so she told my wife this. She said, honey, if a man ain't happy at work, he ain't happy at home. Now, ladies, I'm not talking to you about that because you, you're much better than men. You can separate family from job. But men, sometimes our jobs become our identity. And so she told my wife, she said, listen, if he is not happy at work, you can't make him happy. If we're not happy here, we ain't gonna be happy here. So you're gonna open up your treasure or you're going to bury your treasure. Either way, something's going to happen. I want to give you that word. The word treasure means stored up treasure. It's the word thesaurus where we get the word thesaurus. It literally means that. I'll give you a passage, another passage to you, 2 Corinthians 4. You got that up there? I'm sorry if you don't know where it's. 2 Corinthians 4, I want to start with verse 7. He says this, it's very interesting. Now, we have this thesaurus. This treasure in jars of clay. Paul is saying right now, we have the treasure of Jesus. He's taking out a heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh, right? That's what we get ready to do. Today, here it is. Here's the landing. We have a treasure in these in clay jars. Our bodies are clay jars. We will die. Do everything you can to stop it. Death is undefeated except by Jesus Christ. The human mortality rate is very high. But there's a treasure. It's called the presence of God. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Now look what happens. When the treasure of God is in our treasure, our heart, watch what happens. So now we run the lane that he has called us to and God always sends his best people to the most broken. Can I get a witness? Gosh, I just want to start speaking to people personally keep going We're, now what happens in your lane what happens when you bring your gift your life to a place of brokenness this is what happens when you get in your lane with your gift you feel pressure but with Christ you're never crushed 
You're confused. But with Christ, we don't get to a place of despair. Where we're just gone and we don't even know what to do next. Keep going. This is, oh, come on, this is really good. We are persecuted. People will talk about your dress, your life, your style, and everything else because they don't like Jesus Christ in you and because they don't walk in the spirit and their spirit is dead. They can't swing at the spirit, so they swing at flesh. But we're not abandoned. We're not alone. People will leave us. Because our journey will take us to places that very few can go. We are struck down. Things will happen. You will get no's in your life. You will get rejections in your life. But listen, by Jesus Christ, you are not destroyed. We are not destroyed. Oh, this is good. Come on. We might have revival. Verse 10. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. You know what that death is? That death is resurrection power. The death of Jesus Christ. Hey, I am crucified with Christ. Come on. But yet I live not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, we carry around death, but it is not a death that, is, that cannot be defeated. So that the life of Jesus may all may also be revealed in our body. So we walk, we walk a life of death to ourselves so that Christ can live, right? We do what Christ wants, not what we want. Are y'all tracking me? All right, let's keep going. Verse 11. Here it is. For we, for we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus. Our lane is a place of brokenness. God will send you as a Christian to a lane of brokenness. Always, always, there will be broken people around you. It's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. But I promise you, when you're on your deathbed, if God lets you live uh, to the point where you can still think cognitively, that you will be more satisfied with the life you live for him than anything you can do for yourself. Trust me when I'm with people. On their deathbed, there's something to be said about knowing that Jesus is holding your hand instead of losing the ones you love. So that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. But we'll never offer this treasure if we don't surrender. So some of you in this room today have surrendered the treasure in your heart to Christ. And I want to tell you what that's going to do for you. It's going to open up a whole new realm. But there's some of you in this room today, right now, you've never opened up this treasure. You want to know why? Because you're afraid of what Jesus might see, what Jesus might think, what Jesus might do. I want you to know something. If Jesus already knew what you were going to think, already knew what you were going to do, already knew what you were going to say, already knew the hardness in your heart. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because his love is greater than my badness. His love is greater than my sin. And I'm no match for my sin, as Judah Smith would say. But Jesus is. And so today, I just want to let you know, you can have this opportunity to receive Christ. So I'm going to ask Robert, y'all come up, just play behind us. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So as believers in this room, when we go to take the Lord's Supper, we do it to follow Scripture, 1 Corinthians 11. And Jeremy talked about this last Sunday night, and really gave us an open door that it's a celebration. If we're going to celebrate gifts today, then let's celebrate the greatest gift. The greatest gift, which is Jesus. Represents his body and blood.
Verse 23, chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. This represents his body. And when he had given thanks, Eucharisteo, in the Greek where you get the word Eucharist, he broke it, meaning it spread for all of us, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That the gift, the greatest gift of God came in humility, came in worship, and he opened the treasures of his heart, killed the sick, raised the dead, the lame walked, the blind had sight, and the poor in spirit received the gospel. The treasures of Jesus' heart came out to all of us. He walked in a lane of brokenness, and many, many were healed. He was persecuted. He was perplexed. God, take this cup away from me. But he was not in despair. He became obedient. In the same way, after supper, he took this cup, saying, this cup is the new cup in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're trading our lives for his life. So how do we take it? Man, what a great day to take a great gift. Isn't it? We actually get to worship on Christmas Day and take the Lord's Supper on Christmas Day, God's gift to us, and then we open up our treasure, our heart, and say, here it is. If I had to do it all over again, yeah. But when we do it, we examine ourselves. We examine ourselves because God is victor over us and our sins. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Love what Jeremy said. We shouldn't fear this. This is the place of victory. Nobody's ready to take the Lord's Supper if it wasn't for Jesus. Right? Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine means we pray, we spend time with the Lord, show me in the ways of my life that are not right, that the things I should have done that I uh, didn't do, or things that I did do that I shouldn't. And why? It's, it's so I can be like Christ because in the lane that God has called us to, we got to be the light to the world, we got to be the city on a hill. We gotta let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We have to be the image of Jesus, the Bible that nobody reads, but they read us and read the Bible. For who, for those who eat the bread and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of uh, among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. This refers to James. So we want to take this in the wrong way. We want to examine ourselves. But Jesus has overcome all this brokenness. But if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the Lord. So, here we are at We don't believe that you have to be a member at Summit. Let me tell you why. It's called open communion. Uh, some churches have closed communion. That you have to be a member. The reason why we say it's open is because I don't want on my hands to keep any Christian from protecting the Lord's Supper. I don't want to answer to God that way. Because there's nowhere I know in Scripture that he said, only church members take it. But he did say believers. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, here's the, listen, I want to just ask you this. You might want to give your heart one day to your job, your treasure. You might want to give your heart one day to a, a girl or, or a guy. 
You might want to give your heart one day to a, to a calling or a, a, a desire to make money in this, this fame or whatever. You might want to give your heart to that. But if in the end, what can those people or that job or that calling do for you that's better than what Christ has already done? What, what, what can any of that do for you when your sin is in front of God and one day you have to give an account and God says for all of sin, I'll show the glory of God and for the wages of sin, one sin, not sins, not plural. It's not like me versus Jeffrey Dahmer who was a mass murderer. It's not like I'm better than he is. No, as compared to Christ, where do I stand up to Christ? And the answer is none of us in this room stand up to Christ. So for those of the Christians say we submit to him, he becomes our death atonement. He becomes satisfied. His blood satisfied. His blood washes away our sins. And so today I just want to ask you. It's Christmas. You've been given a gift. Jesus Christ. He's the only way to come to the Father. John 14, 6. His gift is there for you. And God is a gentleman. This isn't Islam. Confess Allah's God, Muhammad is prophet or God. This is Christianity. And Jesus is a gentleman. Never makes anybody. Pastor can't talk you into it. Friend can't talk you into it. Because if you talk to him, you talk to him. You're not saved. It's your choice. Submit to the tug in the treasure right now. I love the people in this church. They love me, Lord, because of, because of you. And so, Lord, we examine ourselves. If we've sinned, we're sorry. Where we need to make things right with other believers, show us so we can make it right. Because, Lord, it's, it's not about living perfect. Jesus did that. It's just about showing a better image of Jesus, casting a shadow. We are made in his image. Genesis 1 language. We're made in the image of God. We cast his shadow. His presence. And so Lord, this is a time to celebrate the greatest, greatest, greatest gift of Christmas. Jesus Christ. So today we humble ourselves before you. And we say, Lord, if we had to do it all over again, you were worth it. And that's why we take it. So thank you for forgiving us for our sins. Thank you for cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for imputing righteousness of Jesus Christ onto us so you see us as righteous. Thank you for Jesus satisfying the wrath of God against our sin. Thank you God for sending Jesus who washed away all our sins by the blood of the cross and thank you so much for Jesus Christ who died, destroyed death so that we will go through the valley of death but we will not be held in the separation that death brings from you because we will get to be with you and fullness and you deposited your Holy Spirit right now as a foreshadowing, a forerunner of the complete presence of God. Lord, we love you. And so now we get ready to take the Lord's Supper together as a family. And Lord, for anyone in this room who does not know you, would they open the treasure of their heart by humbling themselves and worshiping you and say, Lord, I believe that on the cross for my sins and God, you rose on the third day. I confess with my mouth because I have my heart is already saved. Jesus is Lord.
this place to die to myself and be resurrected by Jesus toward your life right now.
ask uh, Ricky and Julian and Jeremy and Kelvin and John Abercrombie, Troy, Jamie, y'all can um, I, I, I'm sorry, I was trying to read, and Gabe, if y'all would come up here for a moment. <clears throat> 